Should I say it yet again? It's so good to see you guys. Every week, it's just so great to see you guys. The Lord gives us another week to gather, and we better not be taking that for granted anymore. There was a day when we'd never even give a thought that we couldn't gather, and then there was COVID, and we got through that, praise the Lord, and now, who knows? So any of you that have preached for me, you know this. You live the sermon that you're preaching. And you know, many guys will often say to me, you're living this sermon. And they've asked me these, they've been asking me that. And I'm like, yes, I am living these sermons. But these sermons are great to live. The last two weeks and now this week are on intercessory prayer. I've been praying more than I think I've ever prayed. And coming into more excitement and more joy and hopefully even more power in prayer. So yes, I am living these sermons, and I hope you are too. Introduction and review. Last week, text was Ephesians. Hold a second. Two weeks ago, the text was Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. And the title was A Called Intercession. We said at that time, God is addressing this topic, intercession, with the church. We said God is actually challenging the church in this matter, in this area of intercession. Our prayer lives, basically what it is. I know we mentioned a couple of times very few of us would ever confess prayerlessness as sin, and yet it's high on God's list. Far be, it, far be it from me to sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. So we said God is addressing this topic. God is challenging the church to go deeper in this matter of intercession. And I have to tell you as the pastor, I see we have quite a few empty pews today. I wish more people would hear this. I am so encouraged with the way Columbia Christian Fellowship has responded to God's challenge. The words that I've been hearing from you related to these messages, related to intercessory prayer, related to putting names on your list and praying faithfully and regularly for them is so encouraging. We've always been a church of prayer. We are becoming more and more a church of prayer, a praying church. Not just saying a prayer for something and we're on our way. No, we're becoming a praying church. Is there an amen out there to that? That's exciting. It's awesome, and it's producing fruit. And it's going to produce more fruit in the days ahead as we continue to grow in this area. So for anybody that's not here and you know they're not here, maybe they'll listen to the podcast, maybe not. But will you pass that on to them? that the pastor is very encouraged with this church in this area of intercession and what God is doing. So last week, that was two weeks ago, and last week, continuation of the intercession theme, same text. It'll be the same text today. It's probably going to be the same text next week, just so you know. And the title was The Content of Intercession, and we've been looking at an example from the Apostle Paul in this verse, in this passage from Ephesians. Thanksgiving and prayer, this is what we uncovered Thanksgiving and prayer are the primary components. Thanksgiving and prayer are the primary content of intercession. So last week, the first week was a challenge to grow in this area. Last week, we focused on this Thanksgiving component. So hopefully, those of you who are participating in the application, in the activity, hopefully you were incorporating Thanksgiving into your intercession, beginning your time with the Lord, giving thanks, instead of just launching into praying for, which is vitally important, but we have to have the two. This week, same passage, title is the content of intercession, but it's part two. Still the example of the Apostle Paul. Today's focus, though, is on the prayer component. Last week was the Thanksgiving component. This week is the prayer component. Thanksgiving and prayer are the components, the content of intercession. Heather, will you come and read? We'll stand. You should have this passage memorized by now. 
all eight verses. This is not filler. I say that almost every week. This is to honor God's word, to hear his word being read to us by one of our own, Heather, one of the body, one of the family members. Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. For above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which in his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Thank you, Heather. You may be seated. Satan attacks anything good. There's nothing he attacks more than prayer. You will come under distraction. You will come under distraction today as I preach this message on prayer. God may allow the distraction. You need to fight it. You need to determine that you're going to listen. And you're going to hear what's being said. As much as possible, we want to keep the children as quiet as possible today. Because what's being said is extremely important to the church. Are you with me? Let's get started then. Satan does not want you to hear this. He does not want the church to hear this. What we're going to talk about today. Ephesians 1, 15 and 16. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. I pray for you constantly. What exactly did Paul pray for these believers in Ephesus? This premier, cutting-edge, important New Testament church congregation. We said today we're going to emphasize the prayer component of the content. We're going to look at how Paul, what Paul prayed for these Ephesians, which became an extremely successful New Testament, powerful New Testament church. Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking. That's prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. There is so much here. There is so much that could be said. There's so much that I want to say. One of, one of the issues I've had is trying to rein in what needs to be said today and not trying to run through it quickly to get it all in. I'd rather cover it thoroughly than quickly. There's so much so much that God wants to say, so much that I want to say, which hopefully is what he wants to say. It's going to be an effort to just try and keep this short and simple. And you guys who've been here for a while, you know me, I'm very good at making a short sermon long. Huh? What? That's one of my strengths. So much on this topic, so relevant today. And the first comment is this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, appreciated your prayer, Steve, crawling right up on his lap. You, you got to the place where you called him Father. I was hoping you'd even go deeper and call him Dad in your prayer. Dad, because that's who he is, our dad. Papa, for some who use that expression. We want to know him better. But I keep praying, keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, our glorious Dad, that he may give you the Spirit. And I want to stop there because I want us to know he's not praying that God will give them the Holy Spirit. 
That mistake has been made. He's not praying that God will give them the Holy Spirit as if they didn't already have the Spirit. As believers, they already have the Spirit. John chapter 3 says we're born again by the Holy Spirit. We come into Christ by the Holy Spirit. And at that time, the Holy Spirit comes into us. If you're born again, if you know the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit and you have him in his fullness. You don't have a piece of him. You have him in his fullness. We might not be experiencing his fullness. It's another subject. But we have him in his fullness. He's a person. You don't get a leg or an arm. You get the fullness of the Holy Spirit when you're born again. Romans 8 says, if anyone has not the Spirit of God, they do not belong to Christ. They're not in Christ. So the Ephesians, the recipients of this letter, of this prayer, they're already believers. They already have the Holy Spirit. So then what is he asking here? Paul is asking God the Father on their behalf to grant them wisdom and revelation by his Holy Spirit. So I think it would be a good idea for us to explore what exactly is wisdom and revelation. A full explanation could get rather lengthy. We're going to keep it simple. Wisdom and revelation in Scripture, as used here. It's divine knowledge, insight, information. Unveiled or made known, it is imparted by God's Spirit to the believer. So it's divine knowledge, insight, and information, and it's divine knowledge, insight, and information that's revealed or it's made known or it's imparted to us by God's Holy Spirit. The two are not the same, but they are vitally connected. They're joined. They operate in tandem, one with the other. And what makes this unique? Paying attention here? What's make, what makes this unique and what makes this interesting and what actually makes this very exciting, at least it makes, it's exciting to me. This is divine knowledge, insight, and information that cannot be known any other way unless God reveals it to us. It cannot be discerned through natural means or human understanding. God must reveal it. That's why he's praying for them for a spirit of wisdom, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It doesn't mean the information isn't available. It means we can't understand it unless God reveals it to us. You with me? Let's use some scripture illustrations. This is a long one. It's a long passage. Jesus asked his disciples, okay, who do people say that the Son of Man is? In other words, he wanted to know, what are, what's, the, what's the word on the street? Who are they saying that I am? And they replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. And others say you're Jeremiah, etc. And then he asked, okay, but now who do you guys say that I am? His inner circle, his disciples, his followers. Who do you guys say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. That was not common knowledge at the time. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. Simon, son of Jonah, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Think about that. Those who had made guesses as to who Jesus was, as to his identity, they did not, they could not know that truth. They could not know that information. There was actually no way Peter could have known that information. It had to be imparted. It had to be revealed to him from God. He could not know from his own human understanding or any other way that Jesus was the Messiah, the long-awaited one. Even though their scriptures, Peter was Jewish, he was familiar with the scriptures. Even though the scriptures were clear on it, if you could understand the prophecy. Many fulfilled prophecies of Jesus as Messiah, but Peter couldn't know it. The people couldn't know it. 
Not until God revealed it, until God opened his understanding to it. See, for me, this is so exciting. You want a reason to seek God, which I'm going to give you at the end? You want a reason to seek God? Because he has so much to tell you that you can't figure out on your own. But he wants to tell you. He wants to reveal it. But you've got to spend time with him. We go back to this five-minute prayer in the car, bless the missionaries, thank you. Lord. You're not going to get any of this information that way. You've got to spend time with him, with your father, with your dad. Put some of this busyness aside and get to the important stuff. Church, we live in some very urgent times. And God has a lot to say. Are we willing to put in the time and listen? Here's another illustration. Two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus. Jesus came and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. This is Jesus. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened. Then they recognized him. This is the account of the two disciples walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus after the crucifixion. And it says they had been discussing all that happened to Jesus when Jesus suddenly appeared to them. But the information, the knowledge, the insight that this was Jesus was hidden from them. Their human understanding, they could not comprehend this. Their human understanding would not allow them to comprehend this. It did not compute. It could not compute. They saw Jesus die. They saw Jesus buried. They couldn't know this was Jesus walking with them until God revealed it to them. God opened their eyes, and they recognized him. It had to be divinely revealed to them. We don't understand the devastation sin has caused in us. We can't recognize and we can't understand spiritual truth unless God reveals it to us. The good news is he's more than willing to. A.W. Tozer, God tells the man who cares. Do you care? Do you care enough to seek him to hear what he has to say? Is this going to affect how much God loves you? No. Is this going to affect your salvation? Nope. Is this going to affect how much you experience them and how useful you are to him here? Yes. Absolutely. Divine knowledge, insight, information, wisdom, revealed and parted into these believers walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. One further example, though there are many others. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was religious and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning the Messiah to come. He was waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Wouldn't it be awesome if God actually said to you, you know, you're not going to die until at least you accomplish this. And he may just very well want to tell you that. Or are you spending time with, it to hear, time with him to hear it? I don't know if I should share this one or not. <laughs> Some of you know it. So I turned 70 this year. And for a period of time, knowing I was turning 70 and I was becoming 70, some of you already know this, I was lamenting before the Lord. So much to do, so little time. I'm 70. I'm 70. But I can't throw myself into that, Lord, I'm 70. And he finally said to me, Stop telling me you're 70. I know you're 70. <laughs> and it doesn't matter to me. I have a plan for you, and you're good until that plan is accomplished. <laughs> so anyhow, it was revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus. 
So, of course, by the Spirit, Simeon realized it was Jesus, the Messiah. Revelation was given. Prophecy was fulfilled. And it was no coincidence Simeon happened to go into the temple the day Joseph and Mary were taking Jesus there. Walking in the Holy Spirit, hearing from the Holy Spirit, what a life. What a way to live life. And it's the call to every believer. It's not for the special believers. We're all special. It's to every one of us to experience him like that. The question is, do you want it? Or has life, earthly life, the toys of life, the stuff of life, has it got so into you that you'd rather have that than this? Because it's the only thing that's stopping you from having this is you. Satan can't stop us. You with me? We're ramping up our game, church. Or at least the Lord's calling us, trying to get us to ramp up our game. He has so much to tell us. He has so much for us to experience. The last thing I want is to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be shown what could have been. You? Am I still loved? Yes. Am I still going to get into heaven? Yes. But I don't want to hear the things that could have been. I want to experience them now, even though I'm 70. (laughs) Thank you. So you don't care either. I don't think my district superintendent cares. As long as we keep showing him the fruit. I don't think he knows. So what's said in Columbia Christian Fellowship stays in Columbia Christian Fellowship. Okay, so these are three scriptural illustrations of wisdom and revelation, divine knowledge, insight, information revealed and imparted to the believer. Stuff that could not be known if God through his spirit had not revealed it to us. Wisdom is the information, the knowledge, the insight, the whole deal, the truth. Wisdom is the information. Revelation is God making it known and understandable to us. God revealing it. Paul prayed for the Ephesians that God would grant them wisdom. That's divine information, knowledge, and insight. And revelation so that they could know it and understand it by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at some scripture on the matter. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 through 13. But I pulled out highlights. So if you're looking in your Bible, there's a lot more there than I will have on the screen. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 13. We speak a message of wisdom, but not the wisdom of this age, not what science can reveal, not what history can reveal. It's a wisdom that's not, it's not an earthly wisdom. It's a, not a wisdom of this age. We declare God's wisdom that has been hidden. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, No human mind can conceive or has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. you got to get with him to hear these things. God's wisdom, which is divine knowledge, insight, and information, is revealed to us by his spirit. We would have no other way of knowing, no other way of understanding. Paul actually speaks in a number of places about hidden knowledge, mysteries of the faith that we do not know, that we cannot know, unless we're with him and he reveals it to us. Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery, hidden for long ages past. There are many other scriptures like this. I was going to include them, but there's just so much to say. One reason we need revelation, one reason we need the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us is because God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
Since Genesis 3, you know that pivotal chapter, mankind sinned, turned away from God. We're still turned away from God as a race. Thank God for Jesus. He redeemed individuals out of that lost human race, of which I am one and many of you are one. Ever since sin darkened our understanding, Adam and Eve did not need revelation. They knew perfectly. They knew God until they sinned. Ever since our Ever since sin darkened our understanding, ever since sin broke fellowship, relationship with God, humans cannot know the thoughts and the ways of God unless he reveals them. Good news, though. God desires, God delights to grant revelation to his people. That's why Paul was praying for them. Wisdom and revelation. Most likely, they didn't even know they needed it. But Paul did. And so he prayed for him. God desires and delights to grant revelation to his people. That's one of the primary, not the only. It's one of the primary reasons he gave us his Holy Spirit. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you. Isn't that awesome? The Holy Spirit hears what the Father is saying as it relates to you, and he will tell you. He'll tell you about it if you spend time with him. If you're too busy, he may be telling you, but you're not hearing him. Much to your loss, much to my loss, if that's me. God desires and delights to grant revelation to his people more so than we would ever think or believe he does. Just going to pull out a couple of further verses. There's so much we could say on this. But Isaiah 48, 6 to 8. From now on I will tell you new things of hidden things unknown to you. I will tell you of new things of hidden things unknown to you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it really will? This next verse is an amazing verse. This is where we're going to probably spend the most of our time. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing. It's nothing in the earth. Surely the Lord does nothing in the earth without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. God does nothing without first revealing it to his people. Revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. There's so much God wants to say to his people, the church, about what's happening in the world. Are we listening? I don't mean are you listening to me, but thank you. Are you listening to him? He has so much to say. Oh, man, what's going on over there? Spend some time with him, and I bet you'll get some insight about what's going on over there. And if you don't, and you try and figure it out with your own human reason, reasoning, there's a good chance you're going to come to some false conclusions and wrong understanding about what's going on over there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean unto your what? Your own understanding. Oh, my goodness, that will lead us astray quick. you got to hear from him. Greatly lacking in the church today, but we got to hear from him. Revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets, needs some explanation. That's why we're going to stay here for a minute. There's some explanation wanted here. We must expound on this thought. So again, are you with me? Putting away all the distractions. Thinking. There's a lot of confusion in the church. There's a lot of confusion that swirls around prophecy and the prophetic. Prophets. We need to avoid the trap that this verse is only referring to the Old Testament prophets, the big guns, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Many are not even sure in the church today that prophets, prophecy, prophetic ministry exists. Way too much to go into right now in this message, but I want you to know that it definitely does exist in the New Testament, and it exists in the church, and it's for the church. 
The church has been deceived. The prophetic has been stolen from the church. And little wonder, if I was Satan, I would have stolen it too. We're greatly diminished by it being stolen. It's a powerful, necessary ministry for the church to be effective in kingdom work. And God is restoring it to the church today, along with other stolen ministries over the centuries. The ministry of healing, the ministry of signs and wonders, the ministry of the believer authority, authority of the believer. I would steal all those things too and relegate the church to this meeting once a week and having a good time. And I would have stole those things too if I was him. Wouldn't you, Richard? You're a military guy. You go in there and steal that stuff. Diminish your enemy, right? And he has. And we're diminished. But God is restoring it to the church today for those who will listen, for those who will believe, for those who care. Again, too much for this sermon. But if you want to talk more about the prophetic, prophets, prophecy, all that stuff, I'd, be, I'd love to sit down and talk with you. Contact me, call me, we'll get together, we'll talk privately. We have to move on here. It's clear in the New Testament, God still reveals his plans Knowledge, insight, information to all or to any believers who will seek him. That's why Paul is praying wisdom and revelation, the revealing of this knowledge for the Ephesian believers. Not only is it necessary, it is necessary, but it makes the Christian life and serving Christ so exciting. And prophecy, by the way, is simply receiving revelation from God for yourself or for others. It can come through the written word of God, or it can come directly from God, and it's often to be shared with others. God tells you and then gives you instructions to tell others, or certain others, who will benefit from that knowledge. I have given prophetic words to people, and I have been given prophetic words that are so encouraging and so life-changing, and so timely. I just, I couldn't figure that out myself. I needed to hear that. God can reveal it to me, or he could tell you and say, now tell Hub this. A recent illustration. Asking God how I am to respond in the light of current events in the Mideast. What are we to do? I'm if I would, I'd go over and I'd list in the IDF, but I can't. I'm 70. I don't know if you know that or not. But I can't. And I really can't do much physically over there. I'm not physically over there. I'm here. But what am I supposed to do? If this weight comes on. You're like, what's the use of just doing the business as usual? You know, the end's coming. All, all kinds of thoughts plague you when you hear news like that. You go to God. Don't try and figure it out. You go to God and you ask him what, not why, but what. And the answer was so quick and coming to me. Stay the course. Do your very best in the assignment that I have given you. Shepherd this flock. Prepare this church to receive the harvest. Which, by the way, very well may greatly increase in light of current events. People are scared. People are wondering. I would not have had known, had, I would have not have been able to know that's what God wanted me to do. I could have maybe guessed, but I wouldn't have known until he told me and what peace that brought. My role in this whole thing is to be in this pulpit instructing you, shepherding this flock and preparing this church for the harvest. And what's so neat about God, he's incorporated my role, he's incorporated your role into this larger thing. He wants you to be completely fulfilling your assignment wherever you are in Christ, and he has incorporated that into what he's doing in the world. Don't ask me how he does it, but I know that he does. And you're that important. And if you let your assignment fail, well, there's going to be some diminishment in the larger assignment. Maybe it'll be felt, maybe not. Maybe you'll see it, maybe not. But there will be, because God's full plan wasn't accomplished, wasn't affected.
There's so much more to this thing we call the Christian life than getting saved and turning over a new lease on life and not doing this and not doing that. That's important, but there's so much more to this Christian life than that. You're not holy by what you do and don't do. You're holy by what the Holy Spirit produces in you. I might have to charge extra for this one. Your response to what's going on in the world right now is to be the same as my response. Stay the course. Unless he tells you something different. Stay the course. Do your very best in the assignment he has given you at this time. So let's continue this thought. God desires and he delights to grant revelation to his people. Habakkuk chapter 2, 2 to 4. The Lord Lord replied, Write down the revelation. Habakkuk had been given revelation from the Lord. Maybe a vision, maybe a dream, something. But he, he, he was told to write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets. That's what they did back then. It wasn't pencil and paper. Chiseled, chiseled it on tablets. Make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with this. I'm giving you, Habakkuk, the revelation. I want you to write it down. And then others will know. And then they can go and tell others. Because God is revealing his plans to his people. And that's the way he works. And that's the way he always works. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing in the earth without first telling his servants. Can you believe that? Paul Simon had a song, and I forget exactly how it is, and I won't sing it for you. But one of the lines is, if he's talking about God, and he said, the inf- God lays his plans, God this or that, but the information is not available to the, co- to the common man or the man or something. And every time I hear that, I'm like, that is not true, Paul. You're wrong. That information is available to those who will seek him. For the revelation awaits an appointed time, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. When God reveals something to you, you can bank it. There's no question. The Lord wants us to know. He delights and desires his people to know. His divine knowledge, his insight, his information, his will. He is willing to release that information to us. And there's grave danger if we don't know. Don't lose it now. There's grave danger to us if we don't know this information. What do they say? Ignorance is bliss? Not in this case. Ignorance can be death. Ignorance can be detrimental. There can be plenty of collateral damage if we don't have the correct information. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no revelation, where people aren't hearing from the Lord, when people aren't hearing what he's saying, what his plans are, what his purposes are, the people cast off restraint. That doesn't give the good gist of what this is. What it actually says, and maybe your version says, the people perish. Where there's lack of revelation, where there's no revelation from God, the people perish. People perish because of that. What is it actually saying? The thought here is that without revelation, without understanding of God's thoughts, God's ways, God's divine truth, what he's doing, his plans, his purposes, there's confusion, there's chaos, there's disarray, there's lack of direction, lack of purpose, there's anarchy, everybody doing what seems right in their own eyes, and consequently, Satan has his way and people perish. I'd remove prophecy and and all those things from the church, too, if I was Satan. So we have no way of knowing exactly what God's saying. And the church is on a hit-or-miss program. And our praying's on a hit-or-miss program. We're seeing it in the world today. Many churches don't know even how to respond to this. Many churches don't know how to respond to what's going on in our culture. Because we're not hearing from God what to do. And once you hear from God, 
it emboldens you. If you're thinking, well, maybe I should do this, but then maybe they'll do that, and then there's intimidation. But when you know God said that, says do this, God says take this stand, God says this is what I'm going to do, you are emboldened and you don't care what other people think at that point. Without divine revelation, all we have is human reasoning. Without divine revelation, all we have is human reasoning. How do we connect this to intercession? This is a sermon on intercession, remember? Didn't we start out sermon on intercession? So how do we connect this to intercession? This is a verse, man. You want to memorize a verse, you want to live off of a verse, this is a verse. Call to me, that's prayer, that's appeal, ask, petition, plead, call to me. I will answer you. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Are you willing to spend the time and call upon him and pray to him and sit with him and have him tell you unsearchable things that you can't know any other way? Are you willing to make that time in your life? To have this experience, I can tell you it would be very much worth your while, worth my while. A classic verse of Scripture, an exciting verse of Scripture for those who are willing to pursue it. Call to me represents prayer. In context, it's prayer for revelation of knowledge, insight, information that we do not know, but we need to know. That we long to know, but we have no way of knowing if he doesn't reveal it to us. But thank God. He's given us a promise. If you ask me, I will tell you. Apply this to intercession, which is prayer on behalf of others. We can pray for others. Catch this. We can pray for others that God will grant them revelation, needed revelation, wisdom and revelation, even as Paul prayed for the Ephesians. And if we start doing that for each other, well, there's no telling what might happen. Folks begin having encounters with the Lord when you pray like this, the true and living God. Folks begin experiencing needed revelation from God. Folks begin hearing from God. Folks begin to have visions and dreams where God speaks to them and others speaks to the church. You say, well, that's kind of out there. Read Acts chapter 2 when it said what's supposed to be happening in the last days of the church. Your young men will dream dreams and your young women will see or your your old men will... will, uh, Dream dreams, see visions, speaking in other tongues, supernatural healing, miracles, signs and wonders. That's God's standard for the church. It hasn't changed. We're still in the last days. They began at Pentecost. They end at the rapture. Satan has stolen it. God is restoring it. You want some of that, Steve? I I know you do. I want some of that. Today's main point, God is continuing to challenge us, the church, not just our church, the church. Any church that has ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church, God is continuing to challenge us in the area of intercession. And verse 17 says there's a purpose in all of this. We are to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know God better. Not know more facts about him, but know him. Know him deeply. Know him deeply intimately know him in a way that you speak to him and he speaks to you and you know it another personal illustration so lately i have been trying to schedule some time into my day to come in here and sit with the lord living these sermons and for a while you know it was just like man is this even is this even accomplishing anything Is he even here? Does he even hear me? Do you ever feel like that? 
And I couldn't know for sure, even though scripturally, yeah, I got faith that, you know, wherever you are, he's there with you. So I know that by faith, but I didn't know it by experience because he had never really told me until one day when I was sitting right here. And he said, I know you're here. He said, I know every tear you've shed. I know every prayer that you've prayed when you sit here with me. And I want you to know that I am here with you. And I've never questioned it since. Not even a doubt of question. Do I seem? No. Do I always have the tinglys? No. But I know beyond question, you can't talk me out of it. When I'm here, he knows I'm here and I know he's here. Because he told me. It was in scripture, right? I should have known. But it took the revelation. He told me. Don't look, look at me so skeptical out there. Try it. Before you, before you criticize it, try it. Test me in this, says the Lord. That has to do with finances, but I'm taking pastoral license. Test me in this, says the Lord. Spend time with me and see if I don't speak to you. So to today's point, God is continuing to challenge us in the area of intercession. There's a purpose for it that we get to know him better. The application is pull out your insert. It's the same as the last two weeks. Ask God to give you a name. The insert's in your bulletin. Ask God to give you a name or names for which you will pray regularly. This week's emphasis in prayer is whoever you're praying for. You can keep the same people. God could give you somebody new or add people. But what you're praying for your people this week is that God will grant them relevant, needed wisdom and revelation. Got it? It was make sure you're praying for somebody. Then it was make sure you're giving thanks for them. Now it's make sure you're praying for them for wisdom and revelation. Thank you. You may stand. See the band come forward along with my prayer. PJ is going to pray. Wait till everybody settle down and right into the mic so we can hear you. So, you know, last Sunday, somebody came up to me and they said, God, put your name on my heart to pray for you. And then they walked away and I said to God, why? <laughs> like, why me, God? And then this week, Pastor Hub said, would you pray this week? And every time I said no, and he knows I hate doing this. And so I was like, okay. And it was a yes. So... My family knows that when I pray, I'm going to cry, so it's a given, so just ignore that. Um, <laughs> but one of my favorite things is studying God's names, and right now, um, and it changes through the years, or the weeks even, and my favorite right now is Adonai, which is the God, the great God, and his name is majestic in all the earth. And I thought, you know, I was crying throughout this whole, the word, and I thought, you know, Lord, just give me the words now. And basically, he just said that um, I've, I've known him for 29 years, and I just need to publicly repent because... You know, so many times I read in the Bible, um, in a matter of line after line after line, he'll say something. Then he'll say, give me you eyes to see and ears to hear. And I, I kept thinking, why do you keep repeating that? And it's because in 29 years, my eyes haven't been opened or I haven't been listening the way I should be. And I've been learning so much this year. And... I, I just need to repent of living in the earthly realm and doing things in my own strength instead of doing them in God's strength and going to him. And he's just revealing 
help. He's bringing people in, in gym in my life that um, is teaching us how to live and to listen to the spirit more and to live in the earthly realm and not to be afraid of that realm. So I'm just going to uh, pray to Adonai right now and just... Um, I am grateful. I'm grateful for this church. There's nowhere else I'd rather be on a Sunday morning with all of you, hearing the word, listening to the <laughs> worship, just so much that brings to my week. And um, so I thank all of you for that. Dear Adonai, we call upon your mighty and most powerful name, Lord, we just thank you this morning with grateful hearts for this message that you have given to Pastor Hub that he passionately preached. We thank you and we pray that our eyes will be open, Lord, to what you have for us. Help us not to let fear or doubt, guilt or shame, Lord, just take over our lives. Yes, there is evil in this world, and there's so much going on, Lord. But we thank you again that you are in control. You have something for each one of us, Lord. Every day, you have a purpose for us. As we deal with our families, our neighbors, as we go to work, Lord, whatever it is you have given for our hands to do, Lord, there is a purpose to it. Lord, I do ask that as we go out this week, that you continue to lay people on each other's hearts because I am so grateful for the one that prayed for me. Lord, I heard that we have it backwards. We have Thanksgiving one day a week, uh, one day a year, and we grumble 364 days. But instead, we are to be thankful 364 days and to grumble one. Lord, I now want the wisdom that you have. I also want the revelation, Lord. You are so much bigger than I ever imagined, Lord. I pray for all our children that it is revealed to them this wisdom and at a very young age, Lord, that they don't wait 29 years to realize who you are. I pray for the Manos boys too, that their eyes are open and they hear, Lord, that they realize that it's so much bigger than they are. It's all about you. They have so much more to give in this life. Lord, and I just, wherever we are, whatever stage we are in life, Lord, I just raise this, this great revelation today from your word that we take it to heart and walk out of here different people. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>